At the Cryptid Keeper podcast, we love to laugh at the darkness, but we would never laugh at the rich cultures that explore it, or the unique cultural significance of the creatures explored. The jokes within are on no one but us. We encourage additional research on the subjects covered here, and hope that a comedy podcast is not your primary source of information. Though we try to keep it as light for you as we can, this episode does touch on some very real-life fears, so listener discretion is advised. The phrase, totes my goats, hardly seems appropriate here. Thank you, and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Cryptid Keeper Podcast, the podcast for cryptids and their keepers. That's us, and if you're at home listening, it means you too. I'm one half of your hosting team, Alex Flanagan. I'm the other half of your hosting team, Addison Peacock. And we're here today to share some critters with you. <laughs> yeah. But not like in any way that's bad. I was going to go somewhere with that joke, and then it was not a good joke at all, <laughs> and so I stopped, and then it got weird. The trouble with Triffids is, nope, I don't know. What? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. The I trouble don't know. with improv comedy is the thing. The trouble with improv comedy is sometimes you yes and something that should neither be anded nor yes. Yeah, and then you um, stop yourself in your tracks, and then it just becomes a no. Yes. So I am the keeper of this week's cryptid, and this week's cryptid is super extensive. Uh, actually, there's a ton of reading to be done about it, and so this is one that I specifically... Obviously, we always encourage additional research, but this is one that I especially encourage people to go off down the rabbit hole of the internet with this one because there's especially a lot of video out there about this Ooh. one that I've watched some of, but I didn't have time to because there's literally hours of video. Um, so that's just a little uh, little disclaimer. But today we're going to be covering the Popelik Monster, a.k.a. the Goatman, of Popelik Trestle. That's so, so much. Mm-hmm. Do you like the Pope? It licks popes. See, Surprise! I was... <laughs> I wanted to make that joke, but it would have sounded disingenuous because I've actually already heard of Popelik. Like in Popelik Creek and the Popelik Trestle and everything surrounding mm-hmm. it. So, like, I've made all of those jokes in my head already. But for those of you at home, it licks popes. <laughs> How did it get that name? <laughs> it licks the Pope. Um, be careful. Hide your popes. Hide your popes. <laughs> hide your popes. Hide your kids. Hide your popes. Don't let the don't let the popes get near this thing. It will just lick them on the face. It's actually that actually makes it sound a lot nicer than this thing is. The Pope-like monster is a legendary part man, part goat, or sometimes part sheep, depending on where you read about it. Can we clarify that it is called the Pope-like monster because it is in an area oh, yeah. called Pope-like? Well, I was getting into that. Okay, I was gonna say. Um, I was going to say it's at the trestle at Popelik Creek, which mm-hmm. is also the title of an excellent play. It is. It's so good. Uh, but it is reported to live beneath the Norfolk Southern Railroad trestle at Popelik Creek over Floyd's Fork Creek in the Fisherville area near Louisville, Kentucky. So it's named for the area it occupies. It is not named because of any activity in which it engages. It is not It is not that kind of right. critter. If it does go around licking clergymen, that's totally incidental. <laughs> yeah, that's not related to its name at all. It has nothing to do with it. In most accounts, the Popelik Monster, now this is from the Cryptids Wiki, named after the Popelik Creek below the Popelik Train Trestle, appears as a human-goat hybrid with a grotesquely deformed body of a man. It has powerful fur-covered goat legs, an alabaster-skinned face with an aquiline nose and wide-set eyes, short, sharp horns protrude from the forehead nestled in long, greasy hair that matches the color of the fur on the legs. Now, actually, the way that I picture it and the way a lot of pictures seem to depict it, if you've seen um, the film Pan's Labyrinth, Mm -hmm. the satyr figure that interacts with the young girl in Pan's Labyrinth is very much similar to how I imagined the goat man. It's kind of greasy and weird and a little bit it's called the fawn in that. Biggest question. Yes. Does it have the creepy goat eyes? 
it does have the creepy goat eyes, according to the fan art that I see depicting it on the cryptids wiki. Goat eyes are so creepy. I don't like them, but I do like goats. I mean, goats are fine unless they're licking your popes. <laughs> you got to keep... Here's the thing people don't tell you about raising goats. You got to keep them away from your popes. Don't let it get your goat. And don't let the goat lick your popes. <laughs> that sounds like it should be like a friendly folksy euphemism, right? Like, it is. I'm bummed because I can't go to the, the harvest dance. And it's like, well, don't let it lick your pope. <laughs> don't let the goat lick your pope. Um, so anyway... Numerous urban legends exist about the creature's origins and the methods it employs to claim its victims. Now, this is specifically, we've had a lot of cryptids that aren't particularly dangerous in any way, shape, or form. They just want to hang out and fly around or do whatever they want in their natural habitat. This one is specifically malicious. According to some accounts, the creature uses either hypnosis or voice mimicry to lure trespassers to the trestle to meet their death before an oncoming train. Yikes. Mm Mm-hmm. What does it benefit from that? Well, I'm going to go into it, but... To be honest, there's not a lot of explanation so much as it's just a creepy, it's creepy to talk about. Um, other stories claim the monster jumps down from the trestle onto the roofs of cars passing beneath it. Yet other legends tell that it attacks its victims with a blood-stained axe. Okay. It has also been said that the very sight of the creature is so unsettling that those who see it while walking across the high trestle are driven to leap off. Actually, my personal theory about why it would want people to be hit by the train is I don't think it has a lot of physical strength. I think it just is very clever. So I think it probably is carnivorous and it just like it's like the train's doing its killing for it. Got to get that train meat. Yeah, it's got to get that train meat. That's awful. And I hate it. It's fast food. As fast as a moving train. I don't like that. The goat Um, man thing kind of creeps me out in a way that like a lot of human-animal hybrids usually don't. Um, Not for any particular... Like, there's nothing inherently more creepy about goat men than there are, like, wolf men or dog men or cat men or something. I know you love dogs. I do love dogs. But what I'm saying is that, like, I understand there's nothing just sort of that's more baseline terrifying about it. Um, It's just that one of my favorite books is The Talisman by Stephen King and Peter Straub, which is an excellent, excellent book. And not to get any spoilers or anything, because this isn't really spoilery, but... A large sort of component um, of the book is this idea that basically this young boy has to travel across the country to save his mother. Um, But he has to do that by flipping back and forth between this world and an alternate dimension. And, like, the parallel world that, like, rests on top of this one is smaller. So you can travel a shorter distance there. And when you flip back over to this world, you will have gone further. Okay. Um, Which is really cool. But the premise is that people in this world tend to have counterparts in the other world and like the actions that affect one directly affect the other um, but some people don't have counterparts some people are very singular and they o- they are the only one of them to exist in both worlds and people like that can like flip over and like are more powerful and have like these various attributes that make them particularly scary because they don't have to worry about other things influencing them over there right they have like a lot more control over their mm-hmm. agency anyway there's this one character in the book who's like a very 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 bad person but it's kind of like a were-goat. And so it's it's often described that, like, when situation is, like, scarier, there's, like, some sort of weird convergence happening. Like, you can see his eyes turn into goat eyes. And it's, like, so, so Ugh. creepy. Yeah. So goat eyes freak me out. Um, I just think there's something really, really weird about that mental image, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and that's a mental image we see a lot is people's eyes transforming. Like, I mean, even in, the, like, the Thriller music video, right? When yeah, Michael Jackson's yeah. eyes, like, turn into the like, creepy cat wolf eyes, like... That's freaky. And that's the thing we see a lot, especially in werewolf imagery. But goat eyes to me are somehow even freakier because they are like so fundamentally different from what we're expecting to see. 
that the idea oh, yeah. of somebody like crossing over to that level of inhumanness is just weird. It's really weird mm-hmm. because we don't know how to read goat eyes, right? Like enough of us see cats and dogs and things in our normal everyday lives that like we kind of have a reference point for how to judge emotion and intent in those kinds of eyes. Like how are you going to read intent from a goat <laughs> eye? You cannot. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know what you're saying and it's very genuine. I'm just losing my mind because your biggest problem is that you cannot read its intentions in its eyes. Well, that's what that's what eyes are for, right? I mean, well, yeah. like they're for a lot of other things, right? But I think the reason that we inherently like to be able to see somebody's eyes, and that's like why, you know, in movies, people with like ill intentions so often have sunglasses or like mirrored True. lenses or whatever, because you can't see their intentions. You can't judge, like, you can't even tell to be like on a more basic level, you can't even tell like what they're going to do next because you, you can see, see looking. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You cannot tell. There's no way to judge it. And what I'm saying is that like, Wolfmen are creepy, but we can we still know how to interact with wolf eyes. Mm-hmm. We we know how to look into the beast of Bright Road's deeply soulful wolf <laughs> eyes, but we don't know what to do with goat eyes. Yeah, um eyes are the windows to your soul, and what we've learned today is that goats, goats have no yeah, soul. They don't have one. <laughs> um I have a little bit uh, or actually I have a lot more about the yeah, goat. Yeah, so sorry to derail trust, that. Yeah, the public monster, if you'll allow me. I was gonna say Did you like my train pun? Because you didn't I even did. acknowledge it. Derail? Yeah. Derail. Ha ha ha. Thank you. Um, no, I, it's good. It was very good. It was good for me. Um, I really quick. I like that the thing that frightens you is just the fact that it has the eyes of a goat as a goat man, and not the fact that it mimics voices to get people to die on the tracks of a train. But I mean, we've already talked about skinwalkers. Right? I mean, we already yeah, we've already talked about voice. Like, mimicry. here's the thing: what person in my life that I know is going to say, "Hey, come play on the train tracks"? <laughs> well, it, Alex. To be fair, it's mostly targeting children. Yeah, well, if children haven't been warned by now not to go play on the train track. Alex! I'm kidding. God. (laughs) Oh, my God. Um, Other legends explain the creature's origins, including that it is perhaps a human-goat hybrid and that it was a circus uh, act who vowed revenge after being mistreated. Oh, my gosh. Yes, the, this one is dark. This is a dark cryptid. Oh man, just got real. In one version, the creature escaped after a train derailed on the trestle, which links the Popelik monster to the legend of a ghost train, which is also sighted on the trestle. Another version claims the monster is actually, and this one's wild, the twisted reincarnated form of a farmer who sacrificed goats in exchange for satanic powers. I know you're expecting me to freak out over that one in particular, but like... This is kind of a common thing in Appalachian fiction. Oh, I just think that one's so much sillier than the other one. Yeah, no, it's bizarre. But, like, speaking of trains, it's actually very fascinating to me that this has such an association with trains because, um, not to condescend you if you're already familiar with this, but trains occupy sort of a very interesting place in, like, Appalachian culture and literature and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Um, And there are a lot of books and like Appalachian fiction and, and plays. I mean, the Trestle of Public Creek does the same thing and it does it really well, but it's a re- there's a reason why it's so effective is because trains sort of represent this unstoppable forward motion in industrialization yeah. and in technology and like, and it sort of is always depicted to be utterly incongruous with the mm-hmm. way of life that has existed for so long. And there's a lot of train imagery wrapped up in like Appalachian culture, especially nowadays, because we think of it like, you know, the coal mines and coal powered trains, et cetera, et cetera, cetera, which is actually interesting to me because it's such a period of like discord in that culture. Like it represented this era where a lot of people had to make adjustments to a new way of life that was coming much too quickly for them to really handle. And again, that's why like uh, the Trestle Public Creek is an amazing play, and I'm sure Addison's going to talk about it later. It's, mm-hmm. it's really good. It's one of my favorites. But it deals a lot with this idea of 
using a train as the imagery for the people in this town having to come to terms with a world that is hurtling at them way too fast. And so it's fascinating to me that this Appalachian cryptid monster would be so associated with this train imagery because there are so many instances of, like, horrible train death in Appalachian fiction. And it's it's really interesting to me that that would be the way in which it would play out its crimes. Yeah, well, actually, speaking of horrible train death, uh, sorry, that's a, the worst segue I've ever made in my life, but here we are. Speaking of horrible train death... Uh, that's my new emo band name. Oh, boy. It's like emo Appalachian folklore. I like... Th- Ooh, I would listen to that, though. <laughs> yeah, right? I'm, it's like the Whale and Jennies, except with more electric guitar. Mmm, I like that. I'm into that. But anyway, what I was going to say is um, a lot of the reason people... Like, uh, people who do not believe in the existence of the public monster, which is, of course, very real. But a lot of um, theories surrounding that legend's birth in general tend to be credited. It tends to be associated with the fact that just there have been so many deaths Mm -hmm. at this trestle. This train trestle has been a favorite spot. Um, And sorry, it's going to get sad for a minute. But for uh, kids, particularly ones conducting lighthearted bravery tests with someone Mm -hmm. being dared to climb the trestle. So there have been a lot of deaths in the summer of 1987. A young boy fell to his death from the trestle after evading an oncoming train. And another young boy met the same fate 13 years later. There have also been some recent deaths that I'll go into actually of ghost hunter. There was a ghost hunter uh, who was looking for the public monster who was killed Yo, that's on creepy. the trestle. Not to take a um, weird dive, but you know the Aristocats? Yes. The Aristocats is a great movie. I mean, I do know the Aristocats, you, yes. Do you know them? Do you know the Aristocats? That trestle scene in the Aristocats always terrified me as a small child. Oh, God, yeah. It's like the scariest thing in most pieces of children's animation. Well, okay, it's not the scariest because Disney animation back then went some places. Also, I really want to remind... Everything in Pinocchio. I'd also like to remind everyone of the scene where the air conditioner kills itself in the Brave Little Toaster. We're not talking about that. (laughs) Mm, Or the fever dream in Dumbo. That's a lot. There's a lot in Dumbo that's... When he drinks, like, champagne and then hallucinates vividly. Well, you're Um, not supposed to give champagne to elephants, to be fair. I mean, yes, but does it produce psychotropic qualities? I don't know. I'm not an elephant. All right, fair. Nor have I ever given champagne to an elephant. But anyway, the point of that all being the trestle scene in the Aristocats was actually horrifying to me as a little kid. Oh, absolutely. It's so scary. Mm -hmm. Trains in general, I actually, I mean, I actually, not obviously there's no, like, trestle, it doesn't have the high up aspect, but I live near, I have lived right down the street from train tracks my almost my entire life. And so train, I, I've become accustomed to hearing trains going by in the middle of the night and like I can sleep through that sound now. So I kind of forget how scary trains actually are. And they are. I, I know that sounds a bit silly because they are kind of a pedestrian thing in, in a lot, or the opposite of pedestrian. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're a, kind of a like regular life thing, but they are. They're, these, they're huge, unstoppable forces and they can't see you and they don't care. Like the conductor can't, control what's happening. What if this episode took a really weird turn right here and you found out that the Cryptic Keeper has actually been just like a very, very long form scripted fiction audio drama where like we've been sort of planting these train cues throughout various episodes up through the past and then all of a sudden the end of this episode is with us getting attacked by the public monster. <laughs> Damn, that would be How really good, good would that be? That would be, be really so good. good. Now we can never write that as We're going to have to cut this out yeah. in post so that we don't give away the ending of the Cryptic Keeper podcast too soon. Yeah. Yeah. Hashtag Crypto Keeper spoilers. Damn, Alex, you've ruined everything. Yeah, sorry. You have ruined years of work. I'm just saying how terrifying would that reveal be if you're listening oh, to this podcast amazing. for like 26 episodes thinking it's just like two gals chatting about monsters and then you find out. And then. 
And then, um, so I wanted to talk about. Um, I found when I was doing my research on this an interview with. Uh, there's a paranormal investigator named J. Nathan Couch. That's who, a good name. It's a good name, right? Couch. But he wrote a book about the public monster called Goatman, Flesh or Folklore. And I found an interview with him about it on LouisvilleHalloween.com. Okay. And uh, Jane Ethan Couch um, did a thoroughly researched book on the legend of Goatman across the United States and in our own backyard. That's the caption. So referring to Louisville and referring to the public monster. Uh-huh. So um, wanted to... First of all, did you know, this seems like a little bit morbid, but I didn't know this except for this uh, this piece. Um, did you know there was a haunted attraction, The Legend at Poplick, which uh, debuted in 2016 and opens uh, is going to open Halloween of this year as well that takes place in Poplick Park and has like, uh, it's like a Goatman interactive event. Oh my gosh, I did not Poplick know that. Park. Yeah, I think we got to go. I think we got to go. It debuted last year and it's supposed to open again this year. This oh my is gosh. Very, yeah, this article is from, this, this is from 2017. Hey, hey buddy Forbes. Hey. We're coming. <laughs> We're coming to Kentucky. Um, no, uh, so author and folklorist Jane Nathan Couch knows the story of Goatman better than anybody and has visited the public trestle on a tour across America's heartland for his book, Goatman, Flesh or Folklore. So here's some quotes from Couch. I grew up in the foothills of the Blue Hill Mountain in northeast Georgia, where my parents regularly talked about ghosts and curses around the dinner table. It's a place known for <laughs> the birth of the Cabbage Patch dolls and absolutely nothing else, he says, of his hometown. So, clearly influenced by the dreamy rural community amid the Appalachian Mountains and the many tall tales and superstitions that flourished in his area, he has spent much of his adult life researching ghosts, folklore, and cryptozoological creatures lurking on the edges of our civilized world. Hey, Jay Nathan Couch, if you ever want to come on our show... Yeah, for real. We would love to have you on our show. Okay, but anyway. Um, the first time I heard about the Goat Man was after moving to Washington County, Wisconsin, says Couch. There's a story I heard here that dates back to the Civil War. That involves a war vet and his new bride being attacked by a goat man while traveling across a desolate road in Washington County. Perhaps the first goat man sighting in American history, Couch speculates that this Civil War era story might be the origin of a much broader urban legend. The one unifying element of goat man stories across the country is that they often take place in a lover's lane type of location. Obviously, this is not the case for public monster, but this gives us broader mm-hmm. context. Perhaps the most unique thing about goat man, unlike most other cryptids outside of Mothman, is that he is actually linked to the cause of real deaths. According to Couch's research, the public monster is only one of a brood of satyr-like beasts roaming the woodlands of America, the most famous of which might be the axe-wielding Goatman of Maryland. Others include California's Beast of Billowack, Pennsylvania's Sheepman, and the infamous Sheep Squatch of West Virginia. Mm-hmm. Texas alone has dozens of Goatman stories and sightings, admits Couch. There are 254 counties in Texas, and there's a story in every single one. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. Now, while on the road researching for his book, Couch and his wife visited Louisville to see the public trestle for themselves. And while he was in the town, became the apparent victim of a curse upon another one of Louisville's most infamous legends at Waverly Hills Sanatorium. This is a little little uh, side thing, but I found mm-hmm. it really interesting. We were on the Waverly Hills tour, and just outside of room 502, where a nurse named Mary apparently hung herself, my heart started pounding uncontrollably, and the hairs on my flesh started rising, admits Couch. As soon as we left the area, the feeling went away. But the very next day, as I was getting out of the shower, my wife noticed these strange scratches on my shoulders that seemed to come from different directions. We both got really sick shortly after that visit with a mysterious bug that had the symptoms of pneumonia and lasted over the next six months. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, he had a rough trip to Louisville, I'd say. That's interesting. Um, yeah, there's and then there's uh, one more quick little piece of kind of 
uh, elements to the Goatman legend. Mm -hmm. This is uh, in Iowa, but it just uh, I found this also super fascinating. So I want to talk about uh, the story of a man named Charles Chess McCartney who became something of a legend himself. He was a vagabond in Sigourney, Iowa, who traveled all over the country for decades, 1930s through 1987, in a wagon pulled by a team of goats. McCartney had... Excuse me? Go with it. There's actually a picture of him. Okay. That's fascinating. Yes. McCartney had a mangled left arm that was disfigured in a timber-cutting accident, and he often liked to dress in goat skins, earning the nickname Goatman as he traveled from town to town. He would eventually visit all 50 states, camping in farms along the road where he would tell tall tales and sell postcards with his picture on them. He became something of a celebrity and people would come out to see him when he came to town. Imagine you're a young child and your parents take you to see the goat man and his herd of goats. It's not hard to imagine that kids would tell stories about goat man in schoolyards that would get more and more exaggerated down the chain, explains Couch. I know for a fact that he traveled to Poplick on numerous occasions over the years. So that's the that's a prevailing theory on the origin of the Poplick monster is i actually i love stories like that yes i love that explanation for folklore yeah, you combine a trestle a train trestle where people die over and over and over again over the years combine that with a man who comes to town every few years who dresses in goat skins has a cart pulled by goats and calls himself the goat man yeah i mean a lot of mythology is just a big cultural game of telephone yes combine that in the minds of children talking in the schoolyard and like kids exaggerate stuff kids are liars i'm sorry to say that like not about everything but kids make stuff up and that's what they do because their imaginations are so big and beautiful and like expansive Mm -hmm. so you combine those two elements and you very very quickly get an explanation for the public monster and the goat man of public creek it's true now i actually i just remembered that and this is embarrassing Uh i do have a confession to make because if i don't make it on air then i know at least one person is going to call me out on it all right um but i actually have walked across the train trussle before oh yep what? Where and when and why? Um, <laughs> where is actually here in Winchester? You know, the, when you're walking past campus up to like where Hopscotch is and there's that train track there? Yeah. If you follow that train track down about half a mile, there's a big trestle that goes over okay. like a gap there. Wow. Um, and I walked across in the middle of the night, like my sophomore year. Damn. Yeah. It's an interesting experience, actually, walking across a train trestle. So, like, I know earlier I was like, well, who would do that? But, like, me, joke's on me, <laughs> an active train trestle, The actually, goat man was Alex all along. It was me. I'm not the goat man, but I'm saying maybe I was a victim of the goat man who just escaped narrowly. Um, yeah, I mean, it is a, a trestle that trains still go across frequently here in Winchester. Um, actually, the train that goes by your house probably crosses it. But, yeah, I have walked across a train trestle. That's my confession. So, like, y- you know, no one is safe. This is like all a dare ploy for me to set up and tell you like, oh, you think you'll never do drugs, right? Wrong. You were the drugs. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, yeah, it's a fascinating thing. I mean, like you walk, you start walking across the train trestle, right? And it's like the slats are pretty evenly spaced. Like it would be extremely possible if the trestle were just train tracks lying on the flat ground to walk across the trestle with not a care in the world. Like, yeah. And it's it's totally safe is the thing. What gets you is the psychological effect of being up on a train trestle. Because you can walk across train tracks, right? Like, the slats are spaced pretty much in comfortable walking distance. There's nothing about it. And you don't need, like, side railings when you're walking on train tracks on the ground. It's just when you take the same tracks and you have nothing underneath them and nothing off to the side of you, like, it becomes an entirely different world. And balance feels weird and, like, you can't look anywhere but down and suddenly it's just occurring to you that if a train did come at that moment, there's nowhere to go. And it's wild because 
you're fine until about halfway through, and then your brain just suddenly starts thinking, if a train came right now, what would I do? Would I turn around and run? Or would I try to go forward toward the train? Like, it's weird. Even when you know there's no chance of a train coming because it's the middle of the night, like, that's where your brain goes immediately. And it's very easy to see how somebody could just get paralyzed by that yeah. thought. Um, I was just pulling up the specific story I referenced earlier, which is to say, I, I really want to really quickly say, I encourage paranormal investigation in most situations. I think it's a really, one, it's a fun hobby. I think it's cool. I, I encourage people to, like, investigate and look out for, like, paranormal things. Don't and, do it on train travel. I was just going to say, please don't investigate the Pope-like monster on the train trestle because there's a very, like, a specifically, there's um, a story from this year, by the way, from, oh, wow. uh, oh out of, um, there was a, a woman from Ohio, um, uh, and you can look up the, pe- the the piece about it, like, very easily. I don't want to name, I don't want to mm-hmm. name her name on here because that just seems disrespectful, but, like, you can look up the article about her. But a woman from Dayton, Ohio, who was doing a paranormal investigation of Pope Lake Trestle in May of 2016, um, fell from the trestle during the investigation and died. So please do not, like, and this is not the first time this has happened. It's just the most recent one. Yeah, I'm not in any way, shape, or form endorsing train trestle activity, but it is what it is. Like, Like, yeah, some of the three in recent decades prior to this death. So, like, it keeps, it's very... Like, um, two students died in 1987, then in uh, 2000, another stu- another young person died, and it's it's just, it's a very dangerous place, and that's honestly also partially probably contributes to the legend itself, because so many people die on these train tracks, you or on this trestle, you want an explanation for why they mm-hmm. were there, or how they died, or any of that. Yeah, as, as interesting as the legend itself is, please, 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 please do not. I think in general, as human beings, and this is like a little morbid, but... I think it's ultimately easier for us to wrap our minds around weird paranormal, like, activity than it is to wrap our minds around a needless death. Yeah. Which is, like, a very strange thing to say, but, like, it is somehow easier for us to accept a goat-man hybrid, like, luring somebody onto the train tracks beyond their ability to resist and murdering them than it is for us to accept, like, that some kid with his entire life ahead of him and a lot of potential, like— died on some train tracks for no good reason. Yeah. Like, somehow that's easier for us to wrap our minds around. And I think that's sad and fascinating. And it's it's interesting to me because I think that plays very heavily into stuff like this particular cryptid. Yeah. Now, something about the Goatman that is interesting and came up when I was doing my research is that there is very little actual... There are accounts of accounts, but you can't find any eyewitness accounts that are actually from the primary source. All eyewitness accounts I found are secondary sources of people talking about eyewitness accounts. Uh-huh. Um, so there are... Part of the reason I like was mentioned video at the beginning is there's a lot of uh, video uh, about the Goatman uh, that I encourage viewing because I think it's interesting. Uh, there's a video... Uh, there's a video through Strange Mysteries. If you search Strange Mysteries Goatman, you will find it. Um, but I did find a piece from Hollywood Life Weirdly enough, I don't, oh. why are they writing about the goat man? But um, they're writing about the goat man because very recently, the goat in 2015, the goat man was a trending topic on social media because new video footage surfaced of people claiming to have seen it. So the goat man, uh, this, there's um, the Strange Mysteries channel on YouTube. That was the video that 
basically that I just mentioned that brought up all this stuff again. It's got the internet a flurry with fear and wonder. Now, there is supposedly an eyewitness account from Louisville, Kentucky that described the creature as a large humanoid creature with furry goat-like legs, alabaster skin, wide-set eyes, and horns that protrude from greasy fur, which is a little rude. Like, he doesn't have a shower out there. Leave him alone. But leave him alone. Addison, he is murdering. (laughs) Okay, fair. That's fair. The tale of the goat man started with an alleged sighting in 1957, and people have kept a close eye out for him ever since. Now with, oh my gosh, with good reason. In 1962, Goatman allegedly slaughtered 14 hikers after they went too close to his lair. But to be fair, he doesn't have a shower. Yeah, I mean, all right, leave me alone. Um, He chopped his victims to pieces while emitting screams that only the devil himself would make, the video's curator stated. Sorry, there's another... I'm uh, sorry, is the video of this happening? No, the video okay, is about the sightings and the, per- uh, the... No, the Strange Mystery videos... The Strange Mysteries video is about the legend. Okay, I was just really confused. And about eyewitness. Like, no, it's a, a video about eyewitness accounts. Sorry. It's so not it's a not a video, video of the goat man? No. It's, oh. it's video claiming its existence and claiming to have proof. Oh, okay. You said new video footage. Like there is video of the Goatman. Sorry, had come that's out. not the video of the. That's and then, not the video okay, of it. and then that's you had a like different thing. you said the video curator was talking Sorry. about. Sorry, I was like, oh my god, I didn't provide enough explanation. <laughs> there is video. There is a video that went viral that is about the legend and uh, claiming various uh, pieces of proof. Then there are other videos that are supposedly of the creature, okay. separate videos. Okay. Videos. So sorry, that was okay. frightening. That was very much. I'm so sorry. That was terrible. It's and like, I did the goat the man error... make a snuff film? <laughs> no, I realize the error of my ways now. Uh, new from Eli Roth. Ah. Goat man. Um, no, Eli Roth doesn't make sm- smut films. Smut films? <laughs> snuff film. He doesn't make Sometimes either one. The same. <laughs> Eli Roth doesn't make either of those. He makes torture for him, but it's not the same. I want neither of those to be a thing about the goat man, though. I don't want a goat man smut film. Oh, God. I never asked for this. He once was a goat boy. Now he's a goat man. <laughs> Stop. I'm sorry. Okay. Anyway, uh, here's another. There's so many different versions of the legend of his origin. Reportedly, according to the Hollywood Life piece, it was part of a DNA experiment gone horribly wrong at a U.S. agricultural facility conducted by a man named Stephen Fletcher who mixed the DNA of his assistant with that of a goat. Um? Yep. Um? Enjoy that. Um? um? That's a fun thing. When are they claiming that happened, though? There's an... Alex, do you think there's more information? I was hoping so. I, I mean, want well-founded conspiracy theories. I know. I understand. I love conspiracy theories, but I want the ones that are like so well-researched that you wonder what else these people have to do in their lives. That's fair. That's fair. I wanted to double check. No. Okay, yeah. That's the pro- the biggest problem with the goat man is that I mean most of the people who've encountered I mean there are a lot of problems with it, but most of the people who encountered <laughs> the goat man it is problematic. Most of the people who supposedly encountered it are dead. You can't exactly ask them what they saw. But I I mean unless you know a really good medium, which you might. This is a cryptozoology podcast, you might know a good medium. But uh there's not really a way to ask them what they saw. So there are there's a huge lack of any eyewitness accounts. There's just a lot of people talking about supposed eyewitness accounts. And like I said, there's like some blurry footage on the internet you can find of people being like, the goat man? Um, mm-hmm. Goat man? Um, one more little thing I want to touch on before we wrap, I'll wrap this sucker up is some stuff taken from Cryptopara, uh, the website Cryptopara, uh, which is crypto hyphen 
para, like crypto paranormal, um, which talks about, and this is, it talks about Pope Lick as well as the goat man of Prince George's County in Maryland, mm-hmm. which has many of the same characteristics, except for that that one supposedly wields an axe, which is a whole thing. Um but that one states that the Goatman was created at the at a research center. And others state, now this is amazing, this is very, very oh, marvelous, that it was the result of a bite from a genetically modified goat. No. Are you kidding me? Goatman, Goatman, does whatever a goat can. <laughs> <laughs> no. Does he have soulless eyes? You can bet it's no disguise. Look out. Here comes the goat man. Oh, I don't like that at all. Um, I just really liked that. I wanted you to know about it. Sightings of the Maryland goat man were rampant in the 70s and 60s, with teenagers spotting the goat man while parked in the woods at the local lover's lane and telling stories of people being murdered if they got too close to his lair. The main layer of the Goatman in Maryland is the Governor's Bridge, also known as the Crybaby Bridge due to a ghost story about a ghost infant at the spot. This is interesting as Kentucky's public monster. <laughs> I'm sorry, there's a ghost infant, meaning that like some child baby. some child was murdered or died in a horrible way. And they're like, they call it the Crybaby Bridge. <laughs> yeah, Suck it's it up, ghost baby. <laughs> it's pretty awful. What do you actually. have to cry about? You're dead. <laughs> Ah, um, this is interesting. As Kentucky's public monster, another goat man, is situated underneath a bridge, or rather a train trestle in that case. So goat men like bridges. Now the public monster. There is a, an urban legend origin. Now here we go. This is, there's so many of the, there's so many legends mm-hmm. about the, you're going to like this, Alex. You oh, talked no. about goat eyes. Let's talk about goat eyes. Oh, no. Here we go. Oh, no. <laughs> um. So, here we go. He is another goat-human hybrid with horns and goat legs. He's said to use an axe in this version of the story. Of course. According to locals, there was a blue-eyed escapee of a sanitarium who traveled with a pack of goats and fathered children with them who retained oh. animalistic features, but also retained their father's blue eyes. Um. That is one of the standout details of the public monster. Pretty much every report states the blue eyes of the creature. It is rare to hear an eye description of something as aggressive as this monster is reported to be unless they are large or glowing. <laughs> But it is rare to hear a story of the Pope Lick monster without a mention of its deep blue eyes. I don't like that. <laughs> I hate it. As per locals, excuse me, that's not anything. The grammar of this is really, really wonky. Um, as per local sighting is that the monster will chase people. No, that's not. Um. <laughs> the, the legend is that the monster will chase people away from its territory by screaming or throwing sticks and occasionally giving chase. So I need the legends to make up its mind. Does it want to lure you there or does it want you gone? <laughs> yeah, like what the hell, goat man? <laughs> you can't just try to bring people into your home and then get mad at them when they come. Yeah, if you build it, they will come and then you'll chase them out, I guess. Now, maybe there's is- like a Smeagol thing going on here. This Maybe is, the yeah. goat man like wants to lure you in, but then like wants to save you from itself. Yeah, this is one more really horrible twist to the legend on, for taken from Cryptopara that I found oh, no. very, very distressing. There are many stories of people being found beneath the trestle, malnourished and naked, claiming to have been held captive for years. Oh my god! By the goat man. That's. I'm gonna let that sit with you for a little bit because it's really. That's a upsetting. lot, and I hate that. Yeah, I wow. hate it a lot. Um. I, the implication that it's not just trying to kill people, but it takes some prisoner. And for what purpose is very upsetting. 
I do not care for it. This is very much, you know, we just got a review yesterday of somebody talking about how much they enjoyed the fact that they could listen to our podcast and it wasn't overwhelmingly scary. Well, and I'm now gonna... you've gone and ruined this thing. <sighs> I'm sorry. I'm going to put a disclaimer at the beginning of this one. But also, I really, really think it's an interesting one. And also, I like to talk about the scary ones sometimes is the thing. Is the thing is that I like to talk about. No, I mean, about. it is very interesting. It's just sometimes it's hard to put a twist on something like that. You know? I know. That's that's one I'm going to probably say since the only account of that is from CryptoPara. I, and I saw literally nothing else about accounts of that, like even tangential accounts of that happening. I do not think that that is the case. I do not think that's real. Yeah, I'm going to call hacks on that. I'm going to call, yeah, I'm going to call shenanigans on that one. Um, I think I also am going to call shenanigans on it using an axe. I think it's probably and also just because I find it more in keeping with regular Goatman legends um, throughout the United States, because and this is something I would like to do a separate episode actually on um, some of the other Goatman legends in the United States, because like uh, our friend Mr. Couch said in his interview, there are hundreds. So many. And I would really like a separate episode about them. But something that is common throughout Goatman legends is the voice mimicry mm-hmm. and I think that giving the goat man an axe to chase people with takes away from the stuff that makes them inherently creepy, in my personal opinion, which is the kind of skinwalker attributes that they tend to have. So I'm going to call shenanigans on that one and say, now, to be fair, like sometimes critically acclaimed series American Horror Story has covered, sometimes there's more than one monster in a place wreaking havoc on the population. So it's entirely possible that while there is a goat man trying to lure people onto the train trestle so that they can be killed, and I guess the goat man can have the leftovers, um, that there is also an axe-wielding murderer that lives below the bridge, perhaps. Maybe the goat man is very, very old, Mm. and the reason that he needs to use the train is because his goat teeth don't work that well anymore. Oh, no! It needs to soften up the food. Alex, good God. I'm sorry. That's very bad. I'm inherently, I'm, I'm interested by the inherent relationship between the goat man, or the Popolik goat man, and the train. And I think mm-hmm. if you divorce those things, it becomes a lot less interesting. Oh, absolutely. I agree. But I think it's, I think it's most fascinating to look at this creature through the lens of a paranormal or weirdly grotesquely naturalistic creature that has adapted this mm-hmm. r- the symbiotic relationship with this like crazy train situation yeah. like it's interesting and that to me is interesting on a much more like symbolic level about this relationship between the brutality of the natural world and the brutality of the industrial world and so i think that is an easier way for me personally to look at it because that yeah. to me has more like folkloric and storytelling implication than the idea of like just a horrible creature that's keeping people prisoner beneath a trestle <laughs> yeah, in like also... in what is actually a very populated area so how is this happening yeah i also i also really do find it interesting the idea that a place can have so many deaths that a legend is just kind of born from that. I'm not saying the Goatman doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. It probably does. Uh, there's a lot of Goatman legends for a reason. It, and the reason is that America is positively crawling with them. Uh, just positively. We're just lousy with Goatman out just, here. We're lousy with Goatman. We're lousy with deer. Our invasive, or not invasive, our uh, over like overpopulated species are deer and Goatman. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why Goatman hunting season is so important because it helps keep the population under control. Just don't go on the trestle while you're doing it. Yeah. But, um... I do think it's very interesting that a legend could be born of just so many deaths in one place, a place that is, of course, inherently dangerous. Uh-huh. But then that the legend that was likely, if it's not, if it's fake like, and just entirely legend, was was likely created to keep people away from the trestle mm-hmm. has had the opposite effect. Yeah. 
So survival tips, don't go on the train trestle. Just yeah, don't do it. Yeah, serious survival tip. I know that uh, you want to emulate Alex, perhaps, because she's like a cool, rad gal. Don't do yeah, this particular do thing, this thing that she did. It was dumb. Don't do this particular Alex thing. Yeah. And that's... Uh, lots of other Alex things are great to do, like drinking coffee <gasps> and playing music and like loving jazz. Lots of them are not great to do, though. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to say that I'm like a stellar role model, but... I'm just saying don't 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 follow Alex's train behavior is mostly do what not. I'm trying to say. Do not. And the thing about this one is, well, I think it's really, really interesting. There aren't a lot of jokes to be had about the goat man because it's largely a, a legend that is surrounded with death and loss and sadness. And I'm very sorry that I did this, but also it's a really interesting one and an important one to talk about. And I actually have had people ask me about if I was planning to cover this specific one. And Yeah, maybe they were hoping you would give them a way to be less terrified of it. Well, okay, um, uh, what's a, I mean, a fun, um, wow, it's me, Owen Wilson, don't play on- <laughs> Get out, tra- Owen! <laughs> don't play on train tracks, um, or just, uh, there is no voice on this earth that would lure me onto that train trestle. It could be Lin-Manuel Miranda asking me to collaborate on his next Broadway musical, and I would say, well, that sounds great, Lynn. how about you come down here and we'll talk about it. We're gonna make a pamphlet of Just Say No, like, ways to stay off the train trestle. <laughs> yep. And you say, you hear Lin-Manuel Miranda calling to you from up on the train trestle. You say, Lynn, how about you come down here and we'll get a coffee and we'll talk. Can you, can we maybe make, like, you know those old brochures where it's like a hundred, like, rhyming ways to say no to weed? Oh, that's my favorite thing We need to make one of those for, like, train trestles. Like, don't. Um, I don't do trains. They're nothing but pains. Ugh. No, thanks. I prefer snacks to tracks. <laughs> I like that one. This is good. Um, so if you come to the Crypto Keeper for laughs, uh, you should skip to the 40-minute mark because that's when the laughs start kicking in. I think we have some yeah. at the beginning. That's when the laughs start kicking in. Um, really quick, actually, also before we go on some more rhyming things, I do want to give a shout-out to the play. It does not have anything to do with the Goatman, but it does have a lot to do with the relationship between the train and industrialization and the people who live in this town and the... Um, and that just the and the period following the Great Depression and a lot of that. And it is The Trestle at Public Creek by Naomi Wallace. It is a drama set in 1936 in this small town. And it is uh, I don't want to like go too, too, too deep into it because it's just a play worth reading. But it's a really, uh, really human, really like interesting and in my like piece of theater. It's one of my favorite plays I've ever read. It is kind of profoundly upsetting. It's so. a very, very sad play. Like, it's intense. If you didn't get that idea from how many deaths we've talked about in this episode and how much sad like, train also, stuff. also, Appalachian fiction in general is generally pretty intense. Like, I, I don't know. There's a lot of stuff where people want to, like, write off the people of West Virginia or Kentucky or Tennessee or what have you as, like, cannibals in their horror movies. And, like, that's not the kind of intensity I'm talking about. That's horrible and wrong, and I hate it. There's... I'm also not going to name names, but there's a no-sleep story that's very popular that I hate because it does the same thing, um, which is to mischaracterize the tragedy and the suffering of Appalachia as, like, a device for horrifying and abusing other people, which isn't true. The inherent Mm -hmm. horror and tragedy of Appalachian culture is very much existent, and it's very much related to the idea of, like, a longstanding cultural lineage of people trying to do their best to thrive and make art and create and live and form communities in a world where they don't know if they'll survive to the next day. And, like, that's really kind of beautiful and powerful and fascinating to me. And Trestle at Public Creek does a really good job exploring, like, what it means to be a member of one of those communities and to be coming from this multi-generational place of 
like just living in this same town forever and to wonder if you even have the capacity to get out in a world that's rapidly changing around you. Like, mm-hmm. and that's what it's about. And it's really beautiful, but it is also kind of a sad play. Yeah, anyway, just, point of that oh, is yeah. people, mountain people aren't cannibals. They're just trying to figure out how to adapt to an ever-changing world. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, like, um, actually, if we have any horror writers who listen to this show, I would really like uh, people to try, like, a new activity, which is if you set, uh, maybe the next time you want to set, like, a horror story in the mountains, maybe make the 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 the, the object of that horror either the, the fear of nature itself or um, the evils of capitalism. Capitalism is the villain, okay, in Appalachian fiction. Yeah. Just don't take the lazy way out and make it murder or incest or, like, horrible cannibalistic. Like, that's... I hate it. I hate it so much. It's a really quick way to ensure that we'll never be friends is what I'm telling you. Yeah. So if you want to never be friends with me, that's fine. Yeah. Send me all of your horrible Appalachian fiction. But Or you could take the incredible wealth of creepy urban, le- like not urban, of creepy folklore that lives out in that world. And you could write about that instead because there's a lot of great stuff yeah, to be it's had. it's so easy. Give me some good Wampus Cat fiction like actually, like I don't mean fan fiction. Like, give me like a really good. There is so story much about the to Wampus talk cat. about in so just like nuance and storytelling without just making like redneck murderers. Don't do that. Yes. Now uh, I think it's about time to wrap this episode up. Yes. Sorry. Um, no, it's fine. It's it's good. No, you you did a good. Actually, really, 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 really quick. If you want a really good uh, horror comedy that is a send up of the absurdity of the evil redneck trope in horror, Tucker and Dale versus evil mm. is a wonderful movie and one of my favorite horror comedies of all time uh and alan tudyk is in it who is uh, a wonderful beautiful man also uh, here's an idea for a sequel yeah tucker and dill versus evil versus the goat man oh man here we go that's a we haven't pitched a movie in a while tucker and dill versus evil versus the goat man and yet again it's just it's a great movie i won't do spoilers but Yet again, same kind of plot, but also they're taking on a goat man. It's yeah. great. It's great. Um, okay, so I will go back in. We have some Patreon donors to thank. I'll come back in later and put those in in post with a little, like, note um, because we're, uh, we got we to gotta head out. Just about out of time. Yeah, yep. just about out of time. But uh, as always, we hope we can keep you around and stay safe out there. Hello there. It's me, Addison, back with the magic of after-the-fact editing to... Uh, do a little closing note with a thank you to some new Patreon donors we have on the tier that allows uh, for a thank you live on the show, or not live so much as live when I record it, not so much live when you receive it in your ears, but I have some Patreon donors to thank. I'm a filthy liar. I have one Patreon donor to thank, and it is Ben Mann, or Mahan. I'm not sure of pronunciation, but it's Ben, M-A-H-O-N. Thank you very much for your generosity, Ben. And if you would like to hear your own name and a thank you on the show, check out our Patreon at the Crypt... Not that. Uh, check out our Patreon at uh, patreon.com slash thecryptidkeeper. We have all sorts of rewards on there and more to come. Donor-exclusive stickers, bonus content, bonus episodes, etc., etc. And thank you, as always, for any kind of support you give us, whether it is through Patreon in a monetary way or whether it is just giving us feedback on our social media, being involved with us in the Facebook group, which is the Cryptic Keeper Appreciation Group, tweeting at us on Twitter at CryptKeepPod, or leaving us a comment on our Facebook page, which is just the Cryptic Keeper. We really, really, really appreciate it. It means the world. Also, if you 
were not aware previously, we are on Etsy at The Cryptid Shopper, where you can purchase our current sticker designs. They are available for viewing on there and for purchase. And we have t-shirt designs in the works. Those are coming soon and will soon be available for pre-order and then eventual order. And so that's, I think, about all. As always, our music is by Andrew Giada. And thank you so much. I know you just heard me say this not too long ago, but stay safe out there.